my friends and listeners. Welcome back to the Content Strategy Podcast. I am your host, Christina Halverson, dialing in virtually. Is there a dial? I don't know. But I'm here. I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The sun is shining. Things are beautiful. Most of my friends are up north at the lake, which if you had been listening to our last podcast, you know, refers to any one of the 10,000 lakes that are here in beautiful Minnesota. My very special guest today is actually calling in from Austin, Texas. Of course, I'm going to be asking him about the weather there in just a moment. Spoiler alert, it's hot. Friends, I'd like you to meet John Collins. John is a senior content architect on the content platform at Atlassian. Long ago, John was an award-winning community journalist, but he made the move to the software industry more than a decade ago and has extensive experience with technical writing, UX writing, content strategy, content design, and localization. He has spoken internationally, but John is still learning and exploring content design and how to best get users the content they need. John is already my very best friend after reading his bio. John, welcome to the Content Strategy Podcast. Thank you. Glad to be on. John, what's weather like in Austin? It is hot and maybe more <laughs> humid than I wish it were. Wait, yeah, what is going on with the humidity down there? I was mentioning, I think there are, uh, is there a mosquito problem down there this year? Yeah, we had several weeks of rain about a month ago and yeah, mosquitoes are here and they're big, Texas-sized. Nobody wants that. We often no. joke that the mosquito is the Minnesota state bird. <laughs> yep. It's not a joke. It's it's a cry for help. John, not that long ago, I posted on Twitter something, as I am wont to do, complainy and provocative about how people don't understand the difference between content design and UX writing and content strategy. And of course, everybody piled on because it's everybody's favorite question. Just kidding. Somebody told me I was gatekeeping, which made me cry a little because that's not what I meant to do. And then you came back, I think a day or two later, and said, this exchange has prompted me to complete a post. And I don't know if you had started it or if it had just been in your brain or what. Just in my like, head. Just in your head. So I clicked through and it it is, in my opinion, one of the best pieces to come out on sort of how the field of content strategy and all of its specializations and sub-disciplines and side-disciplines has evolved over the last couple of years. And I I probably read it three times in a row. And after my initial, oh, why didn't I write this? I, <laughs> I was just so taken by the way that you were able to articulate the different fields of practice, the different roles, not just on projects, but within an organization. And just sort of how your brain has put together all the different pieces around what content is, how it gets done in an organization, how we ensure that it is able to serve our users and help us meet our business goals. And so I ambushed you and said, please come and talk about this on my podcast. And you <laughs> graciously agreed. And here you are. Yeah. So before we get into that, I always ask my guests, can you tell me a little bit about how you came to your role as senior content architect at Atlassian? Sure. I have a path that's not atypical for, for the, the guests that you've had on the show. I, I did start out in journalism, as you read in the bio. And I think that really was where it all started. Like I was managing a small weekly newspaper and I was seeing all the bits and pieces of content and I was laying it out and going the next morning, picking it up and distributing it. 
And I loved that, but I needed to get into something that would provide for a growing family a little bit better. So I made the jump to tech and you know, very quickly saw if the product were designed better, I wouldn't have to write this user documentation, some of it. And it's just morphed over the years. I've been really interested in that intersection of where content strategy meets meets reality, if you will. And so I've gotten into the systems work for the last four or five years, and I'm really enjoying that part of it. Now, what was your role? Did you go straight over to Atlassian or did you? No, I, I worked at another software company for almost eight years, I think it is. And I, I was hired as a technical writer. And by the time I left, I was essentially doing the same job the whole time, but my title was senior UX content strategist. So when you say that you were essentially doing the same, talk to me a little bit because this is where we this is where we began, right? It was mm-hmm. with job titles and mm-hmm. people not being able to have consistency around job titles. And I mean tech writer and senior UX content strategist, those are two radically different job titles. And so for you to say that you were doing the essentially the same thing is jarring almost. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about when you came in as a tech writer. How how did they see the role? What did what did folks think that that role needed to deliver or be accountable for? Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I was hired as the second full-time technical writer at that company. And we were writing quick start guides that were that basically the content was managed in, in design and user guides and uh, the kind of the more traditional tri-panel help that appears in software. And then a growing component of what we did was actually writing the user interface text. Uh, and our team was actually, it grew to be like eight content, uh, technical writers. And we were also the localization manager for the company was on our team. And so we were responsible for localizing that content into 10 languages. So here's an interesting thing that I want to hone in on in that UX writing as a job title has really, really emerged just over the last even 18 months. Mm -hmm. So, and a lot of tech writers, what I'm hearing is a lot of tech writers are really interesting in making that jump or that transition to UX writing, to Mm -hmm. creating copy within the product experience. How, what case did you make? How did you make that jump from, or that evolution maybe from writing user documentation to actually getting into the product proper? I think there was a couple things that were going on. One would be give credit to to the other senior technical writer when I came on board. She was really, really good at thinking about users and she had kind of started making the relationships within the company and getting access to the code repos where the UI strings lived. So there's that side of it. But it also, our company really only had one user experience person, and that was a contractor. And so being technical writers, kind of being an advocate for the user in, in that role, kind of de facto made us user experience folks. And you know, there was times when I actually designed user flows and did some wireframing because that one contractor didn't have the bandwidth for it. So, you know, we were the word people and we were kind of the user experience people. And so it just kind of was organic, really. And, you know, I have to say that I think within so many organizations, if that 
connection were made by management or the people organizing the resources and allocating time and money and all of that, that technical writers really are at the core responsible for so much of the user experience after the product has been purchased. Mm -hmm. I just think that that would really shift the way that so many of them are seen within an organization. Yeah. And I would say I was going to conferences and doing technical writery things. And a lot of them didn't have that access, but they also, you know, they kind of resentful that they were underappreciated. And I was trying to find ways to, to help prove that value and give them tools to, to make more impact for their companies. And I hope even that this, this article that we're going to be discussing is helpful to them in doing that. You know, that when I first started talking about content strategy in 2008, 2009, I actually had like, there was a lot of blowback from the technical writing community and from the technical comms community and from people who were working in like data and structured content because they strongly felt that I had somehow appropriated and that that the community had appropriated the term content strategy from the technical community field because specifically because Anne Rockley had written her book managing enterprise content. So they had been using the phrase content strategy. And I like all the people who started talking about content strategy in the context of user experience design and specifically website content design, really, where it was like, no, you are you are marketing. Mm-hmm. You're talking about this as, as a marketing person and content strategy is not marketing. And so it was almost like there was an underappreciation within the tech comp community for user experience design, which was so strange to me because I was just like, why can't we all get along? We all matter. All of this matters to the user experience and to, and to getting the right content to users when and where they need it. So it's exciting to me to see this sort of like swell of interest within the tech comm community about UX writing. My hope is that it will you know, that that potentially with looking at them as resources for writing for UI and writing for UX, potentially that will help people better appreciate their value. But in the meantime, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep banging the drum that I think tech comm writers are the most undervalued roles in the spectrum of content strategy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, okay, so you, you come over to, at some point you come over to Atlassian mm-hmm. and your role there is what when you walk through the door? Day one, I was an information experience writer, and essentially that was kind of technical writer, UX writer for one of our products, which has been sunsetted. It doesn't exist anymore. And I was in that role for about eight months before I transitioned to what has morphed into what I'm doing today. I was kind of the team first that I moved to was kind of doing lean lean UX related to content and our documentation site specifically. And that, that was my end to kind of start doing some of the system side of, of content modeling and structured content and that kind of thing. So I'm going to ask you about a couple of those terms that you just used. Can you, can you explain <laughs> what lean UX is? Uh, man, it's been a while since I've done that. But uh, the idea was that we had a, a very small team and we had a researcher a UX designer, a developer, and myself uh, representing content. And we just iterated fairly quickly on 
a bunch of, of different experiments to see what impact they would have related to our content and uh, the documentation site. So really nimble. Uh, we weren't necessarily trying to do anything that was permanent, permanent, but just seeing where we could move the needle. So this is a unique thing about Atlassian as an organization is mm-hmm. the team that you just described included content as mm-hmm. as part of the the core team of design and development. This is a thing that just simply for so many organizations just does not exist. And there's a reason and there's a there's a that that value is established so early on really at Atlassian. And I, you've mentioned that a lot of it, the credit goes to actually someone who was a previous guest on my podcast a long time ago, Karen Cross. Do you want to talk about the work that Karen did at Atlassian? Yeah. So I mentioned when I started on day one, I was an information experience writer, but at some point, most of that time I was reporting into Karen Cross and she was a, a design manager But at some point, she was able to centralize our content practice within the design team at Atlassian. And it was called the the content design team. And that team was able to to scale quite a bit and really, really advocate and and focus on the content side of, of design. And actually, that the approach that we're talking about was one of the reasons I actually moved to Atlassian was that they they put such a premium on content within design. And so, yeah, she spun up that, that new team that was people focusing on, on product content, but also some of our, our marketing journeys, not so much product marketing per se, right. but, but the marketing journeys and more holistically. Right. And that is, that was pretty visionary. I mean, I, I am lucky to be able to speak to a lot of different organizations, both here on the podcast and through uh, my company, Brain Traffic's mm-hmm. consulting practice. And then also, of course, speakers at our conferences, Confab and Button. And, and so I have a pretty good purview of organizations and the level of maturity that where they are with content as a as a practice and as a function and Atlassian is pretty pretty visionary and one of the most mature organizations I know when it comes to content and so to some degree then it's not surprising to me that that you've had the the purview and the opportunity I mean and you're very smart to pull together kind of all these separate threads and be able to talk about content as a, as a practice, as a field, as an ecosystem, the way that you can, because you've been sitting in an enterprise where a lot of these things are kind of coming to life. So I wonder now if we can't transition over to this piece that you wrote on sure. LinkedIn. And I'm going to ask you to talk through it. For context, we have been this, this field for so many years as things continue to evolve, both within our organizations and within training and conference presentations and meetups and cohorts that the field and our tools and the practice and the roles and responsibilities and and levels and layers of accountability are just constantly shifting. Mm -hmm. You know, and is it because products are becoming more complex? Is it because the internet is so big? Is it because there are probably lots of different reasons? Mm -hmm. So trying to sort of sort everything out I think is important for a variety of reasons, but I'm really interested in hearing your perspective. Why does it matter what we call this stuff? Yeah, so I want to be clear up front that this really was to focus on 
on roles in general and not be a debate about titles. I hate that debate. Can you tell uh, me the difference between titles and roles real quick? Because those do get conflated so often in yeah, conversations. To me, I'm, I'm picturing that the roles is kind of big, slightly amorphous buckets and, and roles or, or titles are... You know, they mean so many different things to different people, but they're they're generally reflecting something a little bit more narrow, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have, when I think about it, I often think about roles as almost like t- sets of tasks or groups of tasks that are related to one another that have to get done mm-hmm. in order to move content, in order yeah, to facilitate, and- in order to plan it, create it, think about it, structure it. And that the, those job titles, like a person with a job title can be playing 14 different roles, or they can be playing a very narrow slice of one role. And I think the other thing that is crazy making around job titles is that in terms of like trying to find consistency or trying to establish hierarchy, the way that hierarchy, even in and of itself is defined at so many different organizations is just radically all over the map. I mean, a lead in one organization can essentially have the power and purview of a VP in another organization. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I do think that that differentiation before we dive into this is just really, really, really important. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that the nature of my role, I have been thinking about systems and I like thinking about big pictures. And so that was also kind of where I was coming from when I wrote this and the the hypothesis basically that I put forward is that we're seeing four clear roles coming in out of content and it's a sign that content as a discipline, if you will, is maturing. And I try to, to address, uh, we can go in more detail, but I try to address things that apply to somebody like myself, who's working in a large enterprise company, but also that lone technical writer who's working in a, a dark room somewhere. Like I think there's this addresses all of those things and trying to be as inclusive as I can with with what I talk about. So let's go ahead then and dive in and talk about those four roles that you described. Yeah. So the the short little background of why why I started thinking about this. At some point in my career I discovered the content strategy work that you and others were doing. And I was like, oh yeah, that's what I've been doing. I didn't know what the name was. That's always um, such a happy thing when that happens. I, just I know. And then we had Sarah Winter's book on content design. And I was like, well, yeah, that's another part of what I do that I didn't completely see in content strategy. So we have content design and content strategy on the radar. And then to me, it was probably about two years ago, I started hearing a lot of buzz about content operations. And I kind of, in my skeptical moment, I was like, oh, for heaven's sake, another content thing? What, what's going on here? And so that really started me thinking about this. And then I was exposed to, to some other work by Chris Saunders, who I think was also one of your guests. And he talks about content engineering. And I was like, these things can't all be the same. What's going on here? And so that led me to identifying those as the four roles, content design, content strategy, content engineering, content operations, no particular order there. And for the sake of the fact that this is a podcast and people can't see anything right now, I just created a diagram that has those four roles inside circles that are 
two by two and uh, I've got, it doesn't really completely matter uh, based on my first draft here of, of that diagram, but content strategy and content designer on the left and content engineering and content operations are on the right. Each of those circles overlaps a little bit and that's on purpose because there are parts of each of those roles that, that overlap with the others. And my, my statement is that we have to have all four of these roles working together before we can ship content out to users. And I think it's such a fantastic evolution of the content strategy quad that, that we introduced at Brain Traffic in 2011, maybe. And at the time it was, we defined, we were kind of breaking down the different elements of content as we saw like what was needed to make it go. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there was substance and structure Mm -hmm. and then we had. Yeah. Process and governance, right? Does that yep. sound right? Yep. Right. So, and even just introducing that term governance, where we, which we borrowed and learned from Lisa Welchman around, was sort of a, a big deal, I think, for a lot of organizations because that piece of like, oh, right, we got to take care of the content was so important. Mm-hmm. That evolved then several years later. I think I finally wrote it down in 2018, mm-hmm. where we really embraced this, this term in the field of content design as sort of something that was really focused on on experience, on customer experience and experience design and sort of what was being what was being presented and seen and heard and felt and, and navigated through on the front end. And then we broke the other piece of it down into what we loosely called systems design, which was the um, content engineering that you described and and process, which now I am very happy to adopt content ops because I, like you, was just like, oh, just put another thing in front of ops. Lame. And now I'm just like, oh, no, wait, it's a thing. (laughs) So... I, I sort of brought that up and and you had a really inter- you had a couple interesting comments about why your thinking was di- or how it had sort of evolved from that. Can you talk a little bit about because you talked about like let's turn on its side talk, talk a little bit about the differences there. Well, that the revision that you did in 2018 really resonated because that was about the time that Karen Cross had set up the content design org mm. and I was grappling with well content design versus content strategy and I'm knee-deep in a a project of architecting a new content management system. Um, No big deal. Yeah. And and so that bottom half of systems design, I was like, yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm I'm doing some of this process and structure. And like I got really excited about that revision. It meant a lot more to me than the first first draft. I have somewhat of a little playbook play that I based off of that quad to help define a content strategy deliverable. It's useful. It's kind of a hard play to run, but I think there's a lot of value in that in that 2018 quad. And I guess this is an iteration on that, but I almost kind of see it as something different. The, the one tweak that I made personally to, to that brain traffic 2018 quad was switching editorial and experience from left and right because that aligned editorial more with the process side, which I thought showed some neat collaborations with, um, say, the editorial team and the team that's building out the workflow. And maybe all of that subconsciously came together with the the diagram that I put in my piece that we're talking about. But yeah, just continuing to, to refine how we think about what we do. 
Yeah, that's great. A thing that, so I talk to Sarah Winters on a fairly regular basis and she, she has, has stated on more than one occasion that if she sees one more organizations practicing content design without content strategy, she's going to just hang it up and go live in the country. And I think that that's so interesting because I think so many content designers are strategic thinkers, right? Like they are thinking about the why, they are thinking about context, they are thinking about purpose and bridging user needs with business goals. Can you talk a little bit about when you think about the role of content strategy and how that informs those other areas of the those other three roles that you've described? Because that is that is so true, right? Like all of those roles meet in the center because if if you make a decision, you know, significant decision in one area, it's going to cascade into all the others. You can't like make a big change in your content design system and not have it affect the content engineering work that's being done, not have it affect whether it's strategy or editorial or brand work or marketing, not have it, you know, somehow back into content operations. Can you talk a little bit about that function of content strategy? Why is that important? What does that help set at the either at the organizational level or at the project level or whatever lens you see it through. Yeah, the one thing that I like about the the brain traffic quad is that that is centralized in that graphic, and I I usually if I'm showing that graphic to people, I'm like everything flows from the center, whereas the diagram that I have it kind of has equal weight with with these other disciplines. That might be a weak point of my graphic, but I make the point that. Content strategy is strategic, and I would hypothesize that content design is is more where the tactical part comes in. So I give the example of, you know, maybe content strategy realizes that the company has a goal of selling more bundles instead of a la carte on items. And then content design comes in and determines what content helps sell those bundles or helps people know how to use bundles as opposed to a la carte. So yeah, there is that relationship, but I think there's it's pretty easy to conflate tactics and strategy. And so having content strategy as its separate thing, I think is helpful and important. The other point that I love to make about content strategy is that it has to address not just the user needs as, as we know, but it has to address the business goals. And I, I like to say that if if there's a content strategy that only focuses on user needs, you may end up with way more content than you can keep track of. And if you focus only on business goals, then that's where you get content that's cringy and people resent it. So if you can hit that balance of, of doing both, I think that's that's really important. And I think that's part of the role of content strategy versus content design. So, and what's interesting to me too, then, is that when we talk about planning for designing, structuring, crafting, delivering, measuring, you know, even all the way through to sort of archiving content or sunsetting it all together, that none of these roles get to sit out, right? right. Like everything you just described too, we need to have content engineering as a function, or at least as an input or consideration at the table at some point, because that's where deciding how we're going to build the content on the back end 
you know, in terms of like, how are the machines going to relationship or recognize the relationships between the pieces of content? How are we going to be able to serve up that content to the right people in the right place, whether it's personalization experience or, you know, AI even, that to me is where things get really, really interesting is that maybe we are considering strategy almost more of like a framework or, or principles or priorities where we're saying, here's, here's where content sits within the organization. Here's who's involved. Here's what their roles and accountability are. And that that as a function is working to constantly knit together those pieces. What's interesting to me though, is that I think that that's where content operations is going to really start to see its function within an organization. And then maybe we'll we'll see content strategies sitting there. Yeah. So I've had a couple projects that I've been a part of that have really used the content operations side of the house to make the company start asking those tough questions like yeah who who does get to publish this content or when do we determine this content is no longer needed and i i've been less interested in the content operations side personally but i see a lot of value from from that framing some of the discussions but to your point like the the trickiness really comes with whether it's multiple people filling these roles or one person filling these roles is is finding that balance and that collaboration between the disciplines. I had a discussion at one point with somebody kind of from more of the editorial side or the, if you want to say, the content operations side and said, hey, you, you realize that when I set up this content model, I can put validations on fields that are effectively enforcing editorial guidance. Or I had somebody who was designing some author custom author experience and said, what are the authors going to be able to search by? And I said, well, you're kind of sitting there. I was using the brain traffic quad on that one. I said, you're sitting in process. I'm sitting in structure. You tell me what your process should be, and I'll make sure that we build the structure to support what you think they should search for. So I think that learning to have those discussions and dances, it, it, we really have to be educating people about how the pieces fit together. And I think that's a, an ongoing challenge. How can anybody do that? Is that up to a manager? Is it, you know, is that is that something that anybody can or should feel confident about? Do you feel like it's a thing that you really need to get a certain number of experience, you know, years of experience under your belt before you can start trying to parse those, those things? That's a good question. I, I kind of think, or... Well, I come from Alaska where where we're very empowered to do things. So I'm going to probably skew that way of like anybody could have that discussion. But part of the reason for writing and sharing this post is to to get this idea out there. And if other people find it useful to frame their discussions or to educate their stakeholders, you know, that's the kind of thing I'm hoping to, to be able to help with so that if you are that lone content person in, in a smaller company, you can still say, well, here's all the things that we're doing. And this is why it's more complicated than you think. Or, you know, you don't always want to have that discussion with a stakeholder, but it's just giving some framework that people can kind of adapt and use how they see fit, I think is part of what I wrote this about. And, you know, that's so interesting because when I think I have said in every single episode of this new season 
the number one question I get asked is how can I demonstrate my value in terms of Mm -hmm. the work that I do with content? And it really is, that is another side to that coin, right? Is being able to demonstrate and communicate the complexity of content, that it is not just about writing words and putting it on the screen or, or, you know, tweaking the language and, and shipping it in the next version. I just think that I wonder how as a community we can continue to come together to deliver language that is non-threatening when we are talking about the complexity of content and also sort of framed in terms of the business value of of the content activities that we're all steeped in all day every day i just feel like that is going to be an ongoing shared challenge within our larger community and i really hope that we continue to see folks being brave about stepping up and saying here's what i think about these much larger issues and sharing them in posts like yours because conversations like this are just they're gold for for me and I think organizations and at conferences and meetups and in Slack channels. So I just deeply appreciate your your taking the time and demonstrating the leadership to post something that speaks about such big issues. So thank you. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. We are unfortunately out of time because I still have 80,000 questions for you. I find that this happens very often. I will share with our listeners that a lot of the things that we're talking about naturally are coming up in early conversations that we're having with our speakers for Button, our new content design conference, which is happening virtually in October. If you want to hear more about our that event, you can go to ButtonConf, C-O-N-F.com. We hope that you'll join us there. John, it's been just such a huge pleasure. And I look forward to when we can, in fact, meet face to face. And I promise you, I will remember it because I'm going to sit you down and grill you even further for another several hours. So you can look forward to slash dread that opportunity. (laughs) I would do both and it would be my pleasure. Great. Thanks so much, John. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.